Al, they they made a movie. They sure did make a movie. <laughs> just a singular movie. What's it about? Who knows? Who knows? It's just a movie. They made a movie. We're going to talk about a movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Here today on the seasonal anime checkup OVA. It's a podcast where your conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Hello, I'm Jared. Joined as always by Doc Owen and Lady M. Hello. This is episode 346. And we're going to talk about the Mario movie. So none of those three things. <laughs> no, my God, we should do that at some point. But none of the three things that you just said that we talk about. But this is related to video games, so it counts. It's video. It's video game adjacent. It, that counts. It is. It counts. It counts. Yeah. I really. I. I think we should do a ninety-three podcast. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, eventually in the future. Eventually, but we're talking about the movie that came out twenty twenty-three. This year, yes. Thirty years later. God. Yeah, this game or this game. <laughs> Good job. Yep. This movie, this film, this animated feature came out on April the fifth, twenty twenty-three. Uh, they it had a budget of one hundred and million dollars. One hundred and million. That's how that works. <laughs> and it grossed one point three five five billion dollars at the box office. Jesus Christ. It is the uh, apparently the biggest worldwide opening weekend for an animated film. Okay. It is the highest grossing film based on a video game, which that yeah that makes sense. Yep. Uh, it was the highest grossing film of 2023. I don't know if that's still true or not. Yeah, I don't either. Because of... it still is. Even Barbie's with Bar- coming. Barbie's is nipping at the heels. Oh, okay. Uh, it is the third highest grossing animated film. I'm guessing that's of all time. That is of all time. What beat right it? Right behind Frozen 2 and the remake of The Lion King. Oof. Okay. And it's the highest grossing film by Illumination and the 15th highest grossing film of all time. Wow. Whoa. The people like the Mario. Yeah, it turns out Nintendo did not mess up this time-ish yeah. with the... With, uh... The licensing and all that fun stuff. It's only three hundred million dollars behind Top Gun Maverick. It's only four hundred million dollars behind Furious Seven, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So yeah, they uh, people liked the Mario. It seemed Mario. like. Mario. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> I did not go watch this in theaters. I think I knew family who did, and they were like, "They have kids, so." You know, that makes sense. Right. Um, we waited till it came out on the Peacock to watch it. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't watch it in theaters <laughs> either. And then that's what we did. And we're going to we're gonna talk about it. The Mario movie. First, let's talk about the development of this film because it had a, I guess, a sorted development. A weird way that we got here from 1993 till now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about development of this here film. Uh, after the critical and commercial failure of the 1993 Super Mario Brothers film adaptation, the Japanese video game company Nintendo became wary of licensing its properties for film adaptations. <laughs> uh, according to Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Mario, the idea for a new Mario film came from bringing their older games to the virtual console and other services. Uh, such transitions took time for the company, and Miyamoto recognized that our content business would be able to develop even further if we were able to combine our long-beloved software with that of video assets and use it, utilize them together for extended periods. 
Uh, Miyamoto knew that the sense. process of it's, it's Miyamoto, so that makes that's that tracks. No, you're right. You're right. Continue. Miyamoto knew that the process of making a film was far different from that of making a video game, and wanted a film expert to lead the effort. It's a good what idea. What if he had hired Hideo Kojima? No. <laughs> <laughs> Hideo Kojima presents Super Mario Brothers. That would have been wild. Uh, following the November 2014 hack of Sony Pictures, emails between producer Avi Ares, studio chief Amy Pascal, TriStar Pictures head Tom Rothman, and Sony Pictures Animation president of production Michelle Raimo Coyote were released, revealing that Sony had been attempting to secure the film rights of the Mario franchise for several years. That seems weird. Uh, yeah. Ares visited Nintendo in Tokyo in February and July 2014 in an attempt to secure a deal. In October, Ares emailed, emailed Pascal and said he had closed the deal with Nintendo. Pascal had suggested recruiting Sony Picture Animation's Hotel Transylvania director, Gennady Tartakovsky, to help develop the project, while Koyate said she could think of three to four movies right out of the gate and hope to build a Mario empire. Mm. However, after the emails leaked, R denied that a deal had been made, stating that negotiations had only begun. BuzzFeed News noted that the emails did not take into account potential conflicts with Sony Pictures' corporate sibling Sony Interactive Entertainment, one of Nintendo's chief competitors. How would you not take that into account? That would have been weird, like if Sony made the Mario movie, right? Wow. Uh, through Nintendo's work with Universal Parks and Resorts to create Mario-based attractions, later resulting in Nintendo- Super Nintendo World, Miyamoto met Chris Belladandri, founder of Universal Universal Pictures Illumination Animation Division. Miyamoto found Melandandri's creative process similar to his own and felt he would be pro- the proper lead for, to our Mario film. They had started more earnest discussions by 2016, knowing that if they felt it would not work, they could they could easily walk away. In November 2017, reports emerged that Nintendo was collaborating with Universal and Illumination to work to make an animated Mario film. Then Nintendo president Tatsumi Kimishimi clarified that the deal had not been finalized, but an announcement would come soon. Uh, Kimishima hoped that if the deal were successful, a 2020 release date would be possible. Well, about that. <laughs> and, and and Illumination is the studio who does like minions and stuff. Correct. Yes. If you are unaware. But yeah, <laughs> 2020, there's a little bit of a curveball coming there for you, yeah. my friends. Uh, in January 2018, Nintendo announced that the film would progress with Miyamoto and Melodandry co-producing. Melodandry said the film was a priority for Illumination and that it would most likely come out in 2022 close close he added that Miyamoto would be front and center during production mistake mistake in January 2020 Nintendo president Shintaro Furukawa had stated that the film was moving along smoothly with an expected 2022 release date I read that Furukawa as slowly also moving very slowly <laughs> uh, Furukawa also said that Nintendo would own the rights to the film and both Nintendo and Universal would fund the production in August of 2021, it emerged that Teen Titans Go creators Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelinek were directing the film at the discovery of an illu- after the discovery of an bleh, of an Illumination Animators LinkedIn profile that included the film in their list. That, that was a mouthful. Yeah. Following the full casting announcement, Horvath and Jelinek were confirmed to be directing, with Matthew Fogel attached as a screenwriter after previously scribing Illumination's Minions: The Rise of Gru. Uh, according to Carrie Payton, who has collaborated with Horvath and Jelinek on various projects at Warner Brothers Animation, the duo flew to Illumination Studios Paris a month after the release of their first feature film, Teen Titans Go to the Movies, in September of 2018. Uh, in September 2022, it was announced by New York Comic Con that the film's teaser trailer would be released, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, I remember that they, like, did a whole thing about the trailer. It was wild. 
I do not remember that. Yeah, it was like a, a whole big thing that's like, this is the only place you're going to be able to see this trailer. Whoa, big deal. So I feel, like, I feel like I remember people saying like they did not like Teen Titans Go. Yeah, Teen Titans Go is a very, like, LOL random type humor show whereas like teen titans itself had some of that but it also tackled like some serious themes right um but teen titans go basically made like all of the characters like stupid as um and it's just really annoying it's kind of like all right this is gonna be a really weird comparison are you ready for this Mm -hmm. do you know how in persona q they basically boil down the characters to like one trait that they're known for and right, th- and yeah. that's their entire character. Yeah. That's what Teen Titans Go did to Teen Titans. Ah, Nahone. It's the exact same thing. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the writing now that we've got that out of the way. Yay! <laughs> uh, Jelinek and Horvath wanted their work on the film to be the opposite of the irreverent Titan- Teen Titans Go, aiming to develop a faithful adaptation of the games, which they both felt had not been done before, as well as something more cinematic and more emotional than Teen Titans Go. Uh, when people probably first heard our names attached to the movie, they expected we do the Teen Titans Go treatment tomorrow, said Jelinek. But every pe- every project we come to, we make new choices depending on wh- who the audience is and what we're going for. Horvath assist, uh, asserted that Nintendo involved themselves with every aspect of, of the production, from story to visual development to the animation. That makes sense. The duo wanted the film to serve as an origin story for Mario and Luigi, opting to portray them as blue-collar guys by focusing on their previous backgrounds as Italian-American plumbers from New York City in the early games, specifically Brooklyn as an older American media. Uh, they also wanted to reflect how gamers win in the games by not giving up in spite of making mistakes, turning that into a character trait for the film's portrayal of Mario. Mario. The duo chose to interchange Princess Peach and Luigi's roles from the games, with Peach helping Mario rescue a kidnapped Luigi because they felt having them in their original roles was too straightforward. Uh, the duo drew inspiration from Super Mario 3D World and its portrayal of Peach as a playable character, stating they wanted to focus on her role as the Mushroom Kingdom's monarch and how strong that person would need to be to protect the Toads. Uh, for Bowser, they decided to make the, they decided to make that character scary, but the other side of Bowser is somebody who's vulnerable and funny. Hee-haw. Yep. Uh, and of course, we've got to talk about the, the casting. Because that was definitely a point of contention for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, in February 2021, Mario voice actor Charles Martinet said the possibility of reprising his role in the film would be a marvelous thing. And if that, if you were asked to voice Mario, he would go in and play with great joy and happiness. Well. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in August of 2021, Sebastian Menescalco revealed he was voicing Spike, Mario and Luigi's boss from the game Wrecking Crew. Uh, during a September 2021 Nintendo Direct presentation, Shigeru Miyamoto announced that Chris Pratt, Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Keegan-Michael Key, Seth Rogen, Kevin Michael Richardson, Fred Armisen, and Menescalco would headline the voice cast and that Martinet would be featured in surprise cameos. Uh, the announcement was met with a mixed reaction from fans. While some welcomed the idea of celebrity actors voicing the characters, other questioned and criticized the choices, in particular Pratt as Mario instead of Martinet, who had voiced the character since 1991, or an Italian actor. Uh, Martinet voices the brother's father as well as a citizen of Brooklyn named... Giuseppe. Giuseppe? Giuseppe. Giuseppe. The latter using Mario's game voice. Additionally, voice acting... 
voice acting veterans Reno Romano, John DiMaggio. He's Waka. He, you know, does a Waka cameo in yep. this, uh, of course. Of course. And Jessica DeSicco. We'll go with that. Voice Mario <laughs> and Luigi's uncles, Toadie and Arthur and mother, respectively, as the intention was to cast actors of Italian ancestry for the brothers' family. But not, but not the, not brothers. For the brothers. <laughs> uh, Mel and Dandry said Pratt would not be voicing Mario in a thick Italian accent as Mar- Martinette had traditionally done. Voice actor Carrie Payton described Pratt's original voice during production as a New York Italian guy and a cousin to the Sopranos. But the accent was scrapped for sounding too similar to the character Tony Soprano. Uh, voice actress Tara Strong criticized Pratt's casting and expressed a preference for Martinette to voice Mario instead, bemoaning what she described to be Hollywood's disregard for professional voice actors. In response to criticism of Pratt's casting, Horvath stated, For us, it made total sense. Well, yeah, you're Hollywood people. He's really good at playing a blue-collar hero with a ton of heart. Yeah, because he's kind of a piece of Yep. <laughs> for the boy the Mario is characterized in our film, he's perfect for it. For his part, Pratt acknowledged the character's passionate fan base and that Mario's traditional voice was the soundtrack to fans' youth. You don't want someone to come along and cynically kind of destroy it as a cash grab with a movie. Hmm. <laughs> I fully understand that. You don't want that to, you do not want that to happen. Regarding his own vocal performance, he encouraged audiences to come watch the movie, go watch the movie, and then we can talk. Yeah, you were kind of mid. You very, very mid. So there you go. Um there was something I was gonna Oh, the blue collar hero thing, like he's he's really riding on that like Lego movie role there, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Because I can't think of any other like blue collar hero that he's been. Yeah, Addy K. Uh, Charlie Day originally Charlie voiced Day. Luigi with a New York accent similar to the film Goodfellas during production. Uh, the accent was scrapped when directors told him it sounded too similar to the gangsta film, to which Day responded to the, to the charge, or to the change with, all right, I think you're wrong, but fine. That sounds like Charlie Day. And <laughs> yep. also, Luigi just sounds like Charlie Day. Yeah. Uh, plot details were kept secret from the actors during recording, according to Day, who noted he had to record his dialogue in many different ways, after which the directors selected the version they believed would be best suited for the film. Huh. It's funny. He's like, yeah, you're wrong, but whatever. <laughs> Of course, in response to the backlash for voicing Donkey Kong in his normal speaking voice, Seth Rogen explained, I was very clear that I don't do voices, and if you want me to be in this movie, then it's going to sound like me, and that's it. That was the beginning and end of the conversation. He he added further, I think in the film and in the game, all you seem to know about Donkey Kong is that he throws barrel and does not like Mario very much, and that's what I ran with. Um, You haven't played Donkey Kong since the original, it seems. Um, He was high, probably, when he said that, so, you know, makes sense. No, you're right, but also, like, what is thing to say like jesus christ <laughs> uh let's talk about the music music well that that's sure something that we're gonna talk about uh-huh Ooh. uh during an october 2022 nintendo direct presentation mel and dandry confirmed that brian tyler was set to compose the film score of course you know the, the composer of such films such as the fast and furious tokyo drift and <clears throat> every subsequent fast and furious film after that oh my god <laughs> Tyler worked closely with longtime Mario composer Koji Kondo to incorporate themes from the games. He described the composition as big, featuring an orchestra, choir, and bands, as well as Italian instruments, accordions, live drums, mandolins, whistling human voices, and 8-bit sounds. Recording sessions began on October 17, 2022 at the Eastwood scoring stage at Warner Brothers. Mixing took place at Skywalker Sound, where Kondo and Miyamoto responded privately to a 15-minute suite of new themes Tyler had written. The film's music references late motifs from the Super Mario Bros. 3, Super Mario 64, and Super Mario 3D Land, among other Mario games. Mm-hmm. Uh, songs from Jack Black and Kegel Michael Key were Im- improvised for the film. Black Hydra composed the mu- music for its official trailer, Super Mushroom, based on the Super Mario Bros. theme. 
And the instrumental was released on November 3rd, 2022. When did Keegan Michael Key do a song? At some point, apparently. Okay. Uh, in a March 2023 video, Seth Rogen shared that the Donkey that Donkey Kong was introduced in the film accompanied by the title theme music from Donkey Kong 64, the DK rap, composed by Grant Kirkhope. In contrast to the licensed songs used in the film, Kirkhope did not receive credit for DK rap in the film's end credits, an oversight the composer found disappointing. Yep. that mm-hmm. That's a big reason why I refused to go see it in theaters, is I was real... His, his tweets about this were heartbreaking. He was genuinely so upset about this. And I mean, like, that's fair. He should be upset about that. He has every right to be upset about that because it literally mm-hmm. just says DK rap from Donkey Kong 64. Like, they know who wrote it. Yeah. There's no question. It's not hard, it's not hard to go look at that up. No. And I mean, like, you, you already have the text there. Just you credit Koji Kondo for his music. But not Grant Kirkhope, who wrote, like, one of the most iconic Donkey Kong songs that exist? Well, he wasn't there in the room with, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto working on this film. So. Well, I wouldn't want to be in the room with Miyamoto doing this <laughs> film. So, I, I don't blame him. But still, he should get credit. Credit your artist, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's a very Nintendo thing to do. It really is. And, I mean, like I said, it was so heartbreaking seeing how upset he was. Because, like, he basically got out of the theater and tweeted about, like, how he was feeling, and then, like, after a few days was still, like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you, I'm sorry, dude. You did some, like, really important stuff in my childhood, and I appreciate you, but I know that that doesn't matter at all. Stinky. Very stinky. Very Nintendo, though. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Anyways, Jack Black wrote a song. <laughs> it's just Jack Black. It's, yeah, it's just Jack Black. <laughs> it's just Jack Black. It's, it's Tenacious D, but PG Tenacious D. I thought this song was going to be bigger than it was. Yeah. Um, especially with like all the hype that had come out of mm-hmm. it about this song. It was just like, oh, it's, it's here for like a minute and then it's done. And I was like, oh, okay. And like half of that minute is just him just saying peaches, 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 peaches. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, I thought there was going to be more to that. That's enough to get you on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, well then, uh, we need to write a song. Yeah, apparently. What is what is wrong with us? Why aren't we writing a song? <laughs> uh, hey, did you know this film was also leaked to Twitter? What? Before the movie was supposed to come out? Or was it before or after? After. On April 30th, 2023, the entire film was illegally posted onto Twitter and was viewed by at least 9 million viewers in roughly 7 hours before being removed by moderators. Oh my god. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Um, I think we also have to talk about like the character design. Very smooth. Well, there was one in particular... Okay, for one... Everybody noticed this before release, but Mario's butt got nerfed. Got man's got no butt. No butt now. It's I'm so sorry. Um but yeah, this is very smooth now. Um Peach bothered both of us. She's way she's very much animated in the way of like you're in a minions movie. Yeah. Like her face is just overtly animated. And it's just constantly moving no matter what. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, you you kinda chill. Ooh. It's freaking me out. Too much. Yeah. 
Well, I suppose we should talk about this film. We should talk about this film, I suppose. It is indeed a film. It is a film. I I think it's like there's it's a mixed bag, I think, overall. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think it's cool to see like, you know, these very iconic characters in this kind of new setting this new medium like it's neat and like all of the little references that are in here are really neat like yeah the the punch out diner the there's a literally a shop that's based off of the famicom discoon which is very wild to mm-hmm. see there's like there's a card advertisement referencing you know nintendo's early days of being a card company like all that sort of stuff is very neat and cool i mean even uh, like the the commercial that they do at the beginning is a reference yeah um but again, I, I this is also a thing of you know this is a this is a kids movie. We are not the target audience for this film, so you know like we are not the person they are appealing to in the mm-hmm. slightest, right? Uh, but I feel like the story itself was just kind of rote and generic, and you know it's in the way that you kind of expect from a film of this of this nature, um, especially from the team that's making this film. Um, yeah, and I feel like part of the issue that I had with it is that, like, I felt like they had set pieces that they wanted and then they just kind of, like, shoehorned the ways to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, oh, we want we want to have the Kongs in here, so we're going to have the jungle area show up. And then, you know, we got to have a Mario Kart sequence, so there's going to be Rainbow Road. Why does any of this fit? It doesn't, but that's fine. We'll make it fit. Um, like, it just, it felt very fragmented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you, you could argue that it's kind of like a Mario, like, moving around worlds type thing, but at least it feels like there's some kind of, like, consistency with the story in the games when they do that, whereas there didn't feel like that as much here. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Um, just, just felt goofy. (laughs) Uh, the licensed music in Ugh. this film is uh, there. There are choices that are made here. <laughs> you were you were like five minutes ago, not even five minutes ago, saying that like we're not the target audience of this. But then the music choices made me question who is the target audience of this because true, none of these songs are things that I would consider. I think we we figured out what was the most recent one, 2000, and then before that was 1990. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're trying to go with like, oh, the Mario stuff was like it started in the 80s, but... Or it's just like, you know, like, oh, parents are coming to see this film, let's throw something in for them, you know, type deal. But then it's like... But even then, like, the kids now are like, you know, the millennials are having them, and, you know, we yeah. were we were... Kids are non-existent when most of these songs came out. Yeah, it's, it's, they're so weird. Like, I mean, like you get like "No Sleep Till Brooklyn," which obviously Fine. makes you know, it makes sense. But again, it is a song from what? What did we find out? Like eighty-seven. Eighty-seven, which is wild to me because I definitely thought it was the nineties. Yeah, you get "Holding Out for a Hero," "Take on Me." ACDC's "Thunderstruck" for some reason that might be the most egregious one because you're just yeah. it, it plays and we're both just like. Huh? Huh? What? But yeah, there is no song in this film, or no licensed song, I should say, in this film that's not like, you know, a game soundtrack or anything like that, but like, that is from later than the year 2000. It's just very... 
bizarre. But I mean, I, again, it's it's definitely one of those things you look at and you're like aren't surprised by because like that's just what these kinds of films do is just correct. Like, hit you over the head with weird licensed music montages scattered throughout. But again, it's very bizarre because you would have thought that like they would have tried to get more modern music or at least mixed in more modern music. Right. Or like, I don't know, you have a pretty iconic soundtrack with Mario that you could pull from. Or, you know, when it comes to the the Kong area, you've got a lot of Donkey Kong stuff that you could pull from. Like there's a lot of really solid music. And and yet we're gonna put in like take on me for some reason in the middle of like a a, a driving sequence. Why? I don't yeah, it know. It should have been the real big fish version. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, like I get that that's kind of what kids movies do. Yeah. But it just felt so weird and out of place. Hmm. It was just it was too jarring. I think is the problem. Yeah. Like I. If they had just done the, like, No Sleep Till Brooklyn at the beginning, when they are, like, actually in our world, mm-hmm. I think it would have been fine. And then, like, if they had put in, like, more Mario music when they were in, like, Mushroom Kingdom, I think that would have worked better instead of yeah. just, like, randomly throwing in a song from 1985. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Because... It was very strange. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. Uh, the voice acting, I think, for a lot of the characters is fine. Like Jack Black's probably the standout here. Oh, he's he, definitely the standout. Jack Black's going to put his all into it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and he certainly does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Pratt isn't terrible. He's just he's mid. Fine. He's just there, like. It's definitely one of those things you look at and, and think, like, you could have gotten someone else to do this and probably had a better result that's not just this. And and paid a lot, lot less than what you paid for Chris Paid a Pratt. lot less and got a less <laughs> person to be in that role, for yeah, sure. Yeah, no kidding. Ugh. Um, Like we said, Charlie Day is just Charlie Day, which He's is He's literally funny. just Charlie Day. It's so funny. <laughs> Keegan-Michael Keats sounds weird as Toad or Ted. Yeah, I... If you're us. I... I... <laughs> He did fine. His voice just doesn't sound like It doesn't him, sound like thing. him. And I'm like, that's, how did you do that? Yeah. Uh, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen. That's literally <laughs> it. He's just Seth Rogen. He literally told you that's who he's going to be. Yeah. He doesn't do voices. Fred and Armisen as Cranky Kong is not good. It's not good. Which is disappointing because he's a good actor. Yeah. He just, but, it just sounds like Fred Armisen not being old. Yeah. It, it's, it's just a mismatch. Big time. Yeah. Uh, Anya Taylor J- Joy as a uh, Peach is fine, I think She's as well. Fine. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's not. I don't think any of these are really super standout except for like Jack Black. But mm-hmm. again, it's like you probably you could have got professional voice actors to come in and do this, and probably got a better result all around. I would say you a thousand percent could have gotten a better result. Um, although we were making jokes that uh, it, it should have just been the cast from It's Always Sunny. It really should have. It, it would have been way better. Can you imagine? That would have been so funny. Oh, my God. I just want to see Dana DeVito's Bowser. <laughs> I was thinking Dana DeVito would be dead. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even better. 
Oh man. Violent <laughs> I Either any combination of this would have been better. I think. I yeah. I agree. I agree. Like it, it again. It was. It was fine. There was nothing in there that I was like, "Wow, that's really, really terrible." But there was also nothing in there that I was like, "Wow, they really, uh, you know, it was a good thing they went to Hollywood for this." Yeah, I mean, Jack Black is really the only one that I'm like, "That was a good get." Um, but I've also seen him voice act in video games, and like that dude, that dude goes for it. Yeah, so. I think he's probably the one, the mo, the one out of this cast that would most get it. Yeah. So. There is that. Um, yeah, the story itself, I think, it's, like I said, it's just kind of generic. It is, you know, the brothers are pump plumbers. Mm-hmm. They brother in here. They almost murder a dog. They murder, almost murder a dog, and then they get warped to the Mushroom Kingdom. But they get, about s- it. they get split up. Yeah, so Luigi's the damsel in distress in this, like they said earlier. Um, they really uh, girl boss peach up in this film yeah. way too much. Yeah, they did. Um, I, I, I said it to you yesterday. I feel like there was a, a much better middle ground between like hyper, hyper girl boss and damsel in distress that they could have gone with for peach mm-hmm. instead of doing the same thing that Illumination usually does. It's like the woman character is literally the only one who has any kind of brain cell at all. Yeah. Um, which I am totally fine, obviously, with women being strong, powerful characters and all. And like she is a monarch. That makes sense. But like they went way, way far with it. I was I expecting the- more oh go ahead. No, you go ahead, sorry. I was gonna say I was expecting more peach from like Super Princess Peach type. Like she she's a really strong character in that, but she still feels like Peach. Mm-hmm. Um I mean she saves the damn day in that game. She rules. But I mean she just has a lot of the same mannerisms that that we're used to and um still like relies heavily on on her feminine her, her like feminine traits and all. Um as opposed to being like, oh, well, if you're any kind of girly, then that's bad. I don't know. It just feels gross. I think the problem here is that narratively they show that, like, she is she's very competent, especially when it comes to, like, combat and everything. And, mm-hmm. like, she can take on Bowser by herself. Right. That. Why is Mario why even did, there? Why does Mario need to be here? And why does he get to be the one that saves the day here? Like, at the, the, at the end fight, when you know, they get warped back to Brooklyn and everything. Like, mm-hmm. it's Mario and Luigi taking the effects of the star and using that to defeat Bowser, and Peach does nothing. Nothing. And it feels like that narratively shouldn't make sense because, like, she's definitely been shown that she can do all this stuff herself and be totally competent, totally fine but with it, and then they just shelve her near the end just to be like, oh, this is a Mario movie, of course, so we can't have her do anything cool. Right, except for, like... Everything she's done up to that point was, like, she tells Mario, oh, I finished this thing on my first try and no problems whatsoever. And then she's got, like, that, like, battle axe type thing she gets at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, she takes on the entire wedding by herself, essentially. Yeah. Um. And then, like, eh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why does Mario need to save the day here? Oh, right, his name's on the marquee. I, I think that's the thing, is that they, they leaned so heavily into it that they kind of made Mario useless. And then they had to, like... And then they had to figure out how to make... <laughs> They're like, oh, shit, uh, Mario, right, right. We gotta make you useful again. It's really weird. Yeah. Um. And, like, all, all the Teds are are kind of there. Yep. Except for except for the little violent Ted that we get as as a pal, but he basically makes everything worse all the time. <laughs> he tries. Does he? Does he try? <laughs> Sometimes. And then like the Kongs are there and they don't really do anything. Donkey Kong they, just all they're there lot. for is just to introduce Mario Kart. Yep, that's all they're there for. And for Mario to wear a cat suit. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about the cat suit. That's it. I mean, they don't do anything, and, like, Donkey Kong and Mario hate each other, but then, like, team up, and I don't even remember what Donkey Kong does after they, like, smoke weed, rocket into the the Bowser area. Smokes weed. <laughs> oh, he does, he does lounge out in his, uh, in his hammock eating a banana at one point. Yeah, because they basically just recreate the, the Donkey Kong house from mm -hmm. DKC1. And and the weird thing about it is that they make him have like really intense daddy issues. Yeah, I, look, are they? I don't know. I I haven't seen much of this show because it's insufferably bad. But maybe they're just trying to get some lore from the Donkey Kong animated series from nineteen ninety four. I mean, if they were gonna do that, they should have gone with the lore that like Donkey Kong's skull is shaped like the little pointed <laughs> thing at the top of his like his hair. That's how his skull is shaped in that show. And his butt's out. Yeah, and his butt's out. But Where was Funky Kong? I thought Funky was in it, but I didn't see him. But I Where also was have... Kitty Kong. Oh, that's another thing is we did get Diddy and we got Dixie and we got Chunky. But we didn't get Kitty. We did get Lanky. <laughs> Lanky's too messed up for this film. We might have gotten... Uh, tiny, but she no candy. didn't see her. No candy. That would have been such a good thing to have, like, candy cheering Donkey Kong on. Nope, can't have that. But I guess so, like... Only Mario gets a love interest. Right. Oh, which is another thing I guess we should talk about. It's... it's I mean, go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's weird, because, like, there are, like, three times that they're like, well, Mario's interested in her and might want to date, and Donkey Kong's making fun of him for being bad at flirting, but it's like, Huh? Like, I get canonically there's a thing there, but y'all aren't really establishing this in the film at all. And, like, every time Mario's like, no, I'm good. Sorry, what? Yeah. Like <laughs> it, just, I'm just pounding around. It, it it feels very weird. I I don't know why they were trying to do that, other than I, they're like, eh, I guess it happens in the game, so we gotta put it in there somewhere, but, like, I don't know, we're not gonna make... Out the writing of this film might not be that great. What? <laughs> what? Wow. No, you're right. The game, the writing in this is not good. I blame Shigeru Miyamoto. Uh, that's very valid and fair, and... He, look, he can design a game and a character, but I don't think he can write for shit. No. No, you're right. You're right. And, um, I mean, anybody else who was working on this didn't really do anything good with it either. <laughs> Yikes. 
No, oh, there's we got the blue collar guys like Mario, Luigi, and Chris Pratt here. It's fine. Also, what what was the point of the f- penguins? You remember them from Mario sixty four? Those aren't the same penguins. Well, there they are again. They have a power star, and there's no explanation on that. And then just one. And then they're just like put into cages, and that's all. The end. It's like, why? Who are you? Yeah, but they get to hang out with our favorite character in this film. Oh my god, that character. The get- Luma. <laughs> the Luma gave me anxiety. <laughs> the Luma's the best character in this film. No, you're right. You're right because every time it's just like, what the. F-? Because they just decided, like, we're going to put this, like, nihilistic Luma in a cage that just chills out with the penguins and Luigi. And she's like, I want to die. Literally every time something's happened, they're like, death is the sweet release that we need. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) And apparently it's voiced by, like, one of the, the dude's kids. The one of the director's daughters. Yeah. That's intense. Can you imagine having your kid be like, I welcome the sweet release of death. Like, good job, sweetie. I'm so proud of you. It's so wild. And like, at one point, they're getting lowered into lava, and it's like, yay! And then they get raised from the lava. It's like, oh no! What is this Luma? the best character in this motion picture i mean you're right and you should say it but it was still giving me anxiety every time it showed up <laughs> um no i mean that's fair that's fair they also called the tanuki seed raccoon which i think may have been what they called it over here i don't know i've always known it as the tanuki suit so i obviously got that from somewhere i mean on wikipedia it's described as the tanuki suit <laughs> So I'm sure, like, the manual had it described as Tanuki suit. Well, this is also the raccoon suit and the Tanuki suit are different things. Oh. I don't know. But also, it's probably they didn't, they wanted to make it simple because kids are watching it and kids aren't going to know what a Tanuki is. Yeah, okay, you're right, you're right. So that's probably the real reason. The bomber build didn't turn red. Yeah. Where was our Wigglers? Where were the Wigglers? How are we supposed to celebrate Wiggler Wednesday if the Wigglers aren't here? Terrible. Terrible. Garbage. Um. Yes, yeah, so shockingly, they uh, they saved the day. Yeah. Um. They I get, know it's going to surprise everyone. They get the superstar. They they become invincible. They they beat up everybody. And then they make Bowser tiny with a blue mushroom, mushroom. makes him tiny. Yeah, uh, and, and they put him, and then they put him in a jar. They put him in a jar. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no, what are you doing?" No. Oh no, yeah. Do we... not, do not look at what Ted's going to do with that jar. No, we were both panicking when we saw him put him in a jar. We're like, "No, <laughs> no." Oh man. <laughs> Uh yeah, and then the the brothers now are working in the Mushroom Kingdom, and maybe potentially live in the same room. I, it's unclear to me. It's a very small room. It's apparently. a very it small. It looks room. just like their room in in Brooklyn. Which um, that's one thing is that uh, we noticed you noticed and then figured it out that like Mario's got the Odyssey behind him. Yeah, like the the the, book. the epic the Odyssey. Which he realized was like, oh, Mario Odyssey. That's yeah. what it is. But I'm like, why is Mario reading the Odyssey? And he has an NES. Um, it's weird. It's very weird. 
because. A, but what about what's Mario's thoughts on the Iliad? I would love to know. Except for <laughs> I wouldn't want to hear Chris Pratt say it. Oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that that's the way the film ends. They're all happy. Bowser's in a cage in the castle, and then we get a post-credits teaser of a Yoshi egg in Brooklyn. And we get more. Yoshi. We get more of the Peaches song. Yes. Uh, there have been talks of possible sequels and spinoffs. Of course, there are going to be after it made a metric butt ton yeah, of money. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. says in May of twenty twenty one, Furukawa said that Nintendo was interested in producing more animated films based on its intellectual properties if the Mario Brothers film was successful. I think it was successful. I think it was. <laughs> Uh, in a Variety cover story before the film's release, producer Melon Dandry was asked about potential sequels or projects adapted from other Nintendo properties and answered, Our focus right now is entirely on bringing the film out to the audience, and at this time, we're not prepared to talk about what's coming in the future. On April 21st, 2023, following the film's box office success, Nintendo stated that there would be more films based on their properties, though they did not directly confirm a sequel to the Super Mario Bros. movie. In June of 2023, Pratt stated that while news on the sequel will come soon, development on the project has been put on hold due to the 2023 Writers Guild of America strike, saying that it will only resume once the writers feel comfortable moving forward. Right. That makes sense. Uh, and then regards to spinoffs, uh, in February of 2022, Charlie Day expressed interest in reprising his role as Luigi in a Luigi's Mansion film and reiterated his, in his interest in March of 2023. I would watch a Luigi's Mansion film starring Charlie Day. I would, too. I wonder if Charlie Day is a fan of Luigi's Mansion. I hope so. I hope so, too. Uh, in April of 2023, Seth Rogen expressed interest in Donkey Kong Country, forming the basis of future work, stating it created a lot of opportunity no. for a spinoff film. No. Not with you. Uh, Not with you, Seth Rogen. <laughs> Uh, that same month, Anya Taylor-Joy was in talks about the possibility of a spinoff film revolving around Princess Peach. I'm sure we get a lot of Mario-related spinoffs and sequels yeah, to this film. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and then I'll be curious to see exactly what else they try to do with various IPs in the Nintendo vault. Yeah. Yeah, the the rumor has always been Zelda, but Zelda's always rumored. And... Yeah, it's been a rumors for years. Years. Um, I would watch Charlie Day in a Luigi's Mansion film. I would absolutely watch that. Although now I'm just imagining a live action Luigi's Mansion with Charlie Day as Luigi. That's also good. I would watch that. Um, but like you could, you could definitely do like a a, a Captain Ted Treasure Tracker based sure. movie with this loose cannon of a Ted we have in this movie. Sure. I don't know. I know Seth Rogen and, and Donkey Kong Country movies. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, uh, different voice actor, please. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that's that's the Mario movie. I think we also had a uh, conclusion we came to after watching this film that we mm -hmm. were saving for this. Correct. And that is, I think the Sonic movies are better than this. <laughs> yes, that is exactly the hot take I was thinking of yesterday is I enjoyed the Sonic films so much more than I like this. This is wild. Which is wild. Finally, Sonic gets one up on Mario. Sonic wins. Sega does what Nintendo Ninten don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I genuinely enjoyed those movies. And I think, like, the acting was better. I think the plots were better. I think that, like, a lot of the the references and things were, were mm -hmm. put in better. Yeah. Um, it played to better audience or more more spread audiences than I think that yes, this does. Yes, definitely. Um, 
And I mean, it still had like famous people doing the voices. Yeah. But not everybody. And also it felt like they it, they were better casting choices. I agree. Like Knuckles is still hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. Um The Sonic movies are much better. Yeah. Much better. Like I would ten times out of ten if you were like, Hey, let's watch Sonic or Sonic two movies or we can watch Super Mario. I'm like, let's watch Sonic, please. Genuinely, like, they have some really funny moments, and they're good movies. It took 30 years. It took 30 years, but you did it, Sonic. Good for you. Finally. Finally. There's a victory for Sonic. The hedgehog did it. It's it's a shame that uh, it, it, it did not reflect in the financials, I'm sure, but... Nah, but, I mean... Different money's being put out here, obviously, and different marketing's being put out here. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. And it, it may just be a thing with, like, this is how, like, Illumination makes movies, and this is, like, the audience that we're going for. It just... It it did not feel like it was for me. Nah. Um, which is weird, because I've been playing Mario my entire life. Yeah. So you'd think it would... They would try and do some of that, but no, there's, like... This is this is a mindless kids movie, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's that's Mario. That's Mario. We did it. Wahoo! Wahoo! Mamma mia! Let's a go. Here I go again. Oh my god! <laughs> How is that mo- that song not in here? Oh my god! <laughs> that's the real question. Uh, Anyways, yeah, that that's that's the Mario Brothers film. Yep. You can watch it on the Peacock if you want, or if you want to spend money on it, you can. Let's spend money on it. Uh, but regardless, that's going to do it for us this week. So if you would like more from us, head on over to SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com or SAC.cool, so where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Jared and Al Watch. You can also find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you'd like more from Anladium, go to Anladium.com. She's got columns and reviews. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Anime Checkup. You can buy our books, One Shiny Moment of Critical Analysis of Love, Life, Sunshine, Hot Tubs, and Pac-Man on Amazon.com. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash S-A-C-O-V-A. Buy a six slice of pizza, get access excuse me, to unedited versions of the podcast early and a whole wealth of bonus content as well mm-hmm. next week we'll talk about i don't know something else who knows I, I we'll know. figure it out justice for grant Easy. kirkhope yes yes <laughs>